welcome to another episode of Managing Well. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. I'm really excited to be in conversation with Graciano Peterson today. Graciano is the Senior Director for Talent, Culture, and Training at Respectability, a nonprofit organization fighting stigmas and advancing opportunities so people with disabilities can fully participate in all aspects of community. Graciano is dedicated to advancing equity across all sectors and providing accessible opportunities for upskilling and advancement. Graciano, welcome, and I'm really excited to be in conversation with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to engage in this conversation with you today. Great. You know, often when we hear about um, disability inclusion, I think, from my perspective, um, there's like a basic um understanding like a, a kind of a basic basic understanding right. of what that is um and so i think given your your expertise um could you tell us what real like what really is disability inclusion not kind of the checkbox quick mm -hmm. right like yeah. but what is it really in the workplace yeah, I think that for disability inclusion to be really effective in your workplace, you have to really understand that it is a journey. Um, you are never going to get to a place where you feel complete and done in that inclusion journey, and you're, you shouldn't be in any sort of the uh, diversity initiatives that you're trying to do, right? Um, inclusion is always going to be a journey because you're going to encounter people differently. They're going to come into your space at a different time. Um, they're going to have different needs. Uh, so we can't treat diversity as uh, um, uh, the disability as a monolith and decide that like I, I've i done these things for this person and so now I'm done because not everybody else is going to be great. Um, we have to talk to each individual employee, each individual person, and really kind of think through what uh, their needs are, how we accommodate them and how we bring them fully into the workplace as their full selves and able to, to do not only their tasks, but just to, uh, to exist as a person. Uh, mm -hmm. with us and to grow with us, right? So disability inclusion is first and foremost a journey. And I think we have to make sure that we're thinking about that um, and not thinking about those checkboxes. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, when you were saying, you know, that it's a journey and like inclusion is a journey and it's not, it's, it's, it's not just you've, you've kind of fulfilled the need of one person, no. right? But like, how do you look at the whole person? Yeah. Um, and the whole people like change, right? Like who's yeah. working with you and for you, right? It changes. So I, I hear like yeah. it's constantly yeah. evolving. It's constantly evolving. There's always gonna be somebody new and different coming into your space, right? And because of disability identity, also at, at changing at, at any time, you know, somebody who is working at your organization could uh, be fully able one day um, and then encounter and develop a disability the next. So we have to also remember that too, that we, you know, how do we create a safe space to allow that identity to change within your workplace, right? To have that conversation about what needs to happen now uh, because I've now been newly, newly diagnosed with something I didn't know I had. Yes. Um, how do I navigate this new this new space in this place? And that's what inclusion truly looks like in the workplace is having that, that availability. And I just, can we just, I wanna pause with that because I think when we think about diversity and inclusion, kind of the overarching term of it, not always, but a lot of kind of, a lot of those identity factors are fixed is too strong of a word, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. perhaps a little more set. Yes. Um, like if you think about race, um, gender, not necessarily, religion, yeah. not necessarily, um, but kind of generally there's like, there, it's, it's, it's more set. 
but you just said disability identity. And I think what I wanted to pull out of that is that that identity and experience can change at any time. Absolutely. And also not the way I was hearing you, not, maybe it's an evolution and change, but not necessarily. It also could be like very abrupt. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it, Graciana, I think I just would love to hear more I think what I'd love to hear more from you, kind of from the 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 person mm -hmm. person's perspective, but then also as an employer, yeah. like how do you navigate changes that are are so sudden when it comes to disability identity? Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about the employer first. When we talk about employers, we you know we want to welcome somebody into an organization wherever they are, wherever they're starting from. But the idea is that you're gonna be at the organization for a long time. We don't we don't want to keep hiring people, right? So we want to bring people in. They're going to stay with us. They're hopefully going to grow with us and going to exist with us for a long time. But to remember that their life is going to change over that time. If you bring in somebody who is uh, young enough into your organization, they're going to um, do a lot of. They're going to have a lot a lot of life changes. They're going to get married. They're going to want to have children. They're going to want to do different things. They're going to go buy a home or whatever the situation may be. As their life changes, their relationship with the workplace is going to change as well. They came in not as a parent, and now they're a parent, and they want they, they need benefits to change, right? It's going to be a very similar thing when we're thinking about disability identity, mm -hmm. uh, because when you come in in one in one situation um, as a person who might uh, have a disability identity um, and you know need certain accommodations, other disabilities can happen as if you live a long enough life, right? Um, as we age, um, things change in our bodies. Um, our ability to walk, our ability to to see and hear, those things are things that change as we get older and as we age. So if we want to make sure that we're fully inclusive to any employee that we bring into our space with us, we have to think about how we're going to be able to uh, to help with those changes as they occur. How are we going to be able to accommodate those changes as they occur? And are we a place that's going to be adaptable uh, to that employee as their disability identity changes, if they develop a disability, if something happens in their life? You know, and so that's what true inclusion looks like is making sure that we are thinking about what could potentially happen and bringing into the, bringing them into the conversation if we don't know if we can accommodate it, right? Right. You know, ask them what what do you need uh, to make your experience with us continue um, and be able to be something you can navigate. I love your point about kind of being proactive from an employer standpoint of and and being proactive in to your point of not just the employee life cycle of, you know, hiring, promotion, yeah. not just that, but like the human employee life cycle. Right. And to your point of like life events and life and life physicality changes and to how employers can kind of proactively prepare for that. And to your point with input from, right? Yeah. Like you can only, I, I often say like, you can only think so far. Like you can yep. only think, you can't outthink yourself, right? Yep. You need other perspectives to share what you don't have. And yep. so doing that in collaboration makes makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wonder if some employers, and I'm curious to hear from your vantage point, um, I think there's, you know, definitely folks who like, we, you know, you don't know. And so you don't do what you don't know. But then I'm wondering about the risk and if that gets in the way of some employers being proactive and wondering if they are going to kind of open themselves up to liability and risk if they start asking questions yeah. um, about disability. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts there. Yeah, you know, I think 
the same way that everybody's approaching new conversations around identity in general in the workplace, disability is one of those identities that we have to be very comfortable talking about, right? Uh, the reality is, is that we, even if you've never asked the question in your organization, 10% of the people have a disability, you know? Um, you might not know it, you might not be aware of it, uh, but because there are so many um, non-apparent or not visible disabilities that exist in the human population, uh, we don't know how many people of our, I mean, how many of our employees are uh, dealing with a, a disability that they just don't talk about um, in the workplace. So if we want to make sure that we are able to have people show up as their full selves and be comfortable having those conversations, we have to make that space comfortable. So to talk with employees generally about the fact that like this is a welcoming space for, for every and all identities, um, if it truly is. Mm -hmm. And talk through how to work through how do we how to get accommodations if and when they need them, right? That should be a publicly available thing. It shouldn't be a question that only comes up if and when the one person who's like, well, I I'm raising my hand here, uh, I'm disabled and I need this accommodation. Like, how do I do this? It should be something that all employees know about. Because, like to my point earlier, you don't you know. know. You never know when you're going to need it. So, um, what's the process? How do we do that? And so, like, but having the conversation of, around it, making sure that that is something that's readily available is that making sure that you have those conversations in general about identity, right? If you're having those conversations, if you're talking about creating those employee resource groups for people who identify in, in this way or that way or every any other way, disability is one of those identities too that you should make that space for. Mm -hmm. You know, you just gave a lot of, I think, examples of how organizations can, can get it right, can get disability inclusion right. Um, and I'm really curious, like what would policies actually look like, right? Because there's always, there's there's the intent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then usually after intent follows conversation. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes that's where it stops. Yeah. And so um, like, what would, what would a policy look like that would, I think do some of the things you talked about in terms of being proactive, offering accommodations to everybody. Like what would that, actually look like in kind of written practice? Yeah, I, so don't erase everything and start from scratch. Is That's what actually really helpful to hear. <laughs> yeah, don't start there. I think the, it's it's important to really just make sure that you're bringing people into the conversation, like we said, like we just mentioned. Uh, just allow people who have a disability identity to take a look at some of the policies and practices that you have in your HR manual or in your employee man manual, things that you're doing regularly and have them sort of comment on where that might be problematic for them, mm. uh, right? And just making sure that you're creating uh, a group in a space where there's just a uh, room for commentary. Um, as you're in that process of, of revamping or looking at that manual, have whatever that process is, I know that we look at our manual yearly, mm -hmm. right? To make sure that we don't have to, whatever changes or policies that we need to, to update or change or what have you. Um, in, that, in that review, make sure that you're just including people who have a certain identity to make sure that they are uh, able to comment on where there are places that have that might be problematic or might prevent an, uh, or might cause an issue in the future. Um, that's what we do. We want to make sure that we are thinking about uh, being proactive in our own space. And so that's the practice that we've taken on is that we have to uh, allow for that commentary to happen and come from different places and different levels in the organization so that we can see if we're if we're overlooking or assuming too much. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's where you, you really want to start. Um, and not all of your policies have to be revamped or changed, or there is not just one clear policy that I can give. But the idea is just to be open uh, to the need for flexibility and change, open to the idea that you might have to 
do things a little bit differently and open to the idea as well that when we are talking about disability, we're talking about neurodiversity as well. We're talking about how people receive information. So are people only receiving your information in one way? Is it, Are they only getting it via email? Um, are you only talking about it in the staff meeting and then never mentioning it again until they violate the, the, the policy and they're like, this is what you were supposed to do? You know, how are you giving that information um, and making sure that there are multiple modalities to receive the information, multiple ways to, feed, to, to offer some feedback, um, and that you're following up with your employees about if they have and understand whatever policies they're supposed to be following. You know, and not just having it just be that this one time in the staff meeting we talk about it, and then until you are in violation, we have that HR meeting, be like, you know, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Um, and so now you're in trouble. <laughs> right, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. I think that's how most most uh, companies and organizations operate. Um, and so even just listening to you, what would you what would you recommend doing differently? Because you said something and I, I, my first thought was like, well, how would you do that? So yeah. this is, I'm excited to hear from you. When you talked about um, like an employee handbook or, or a policy manual, right? Like you send it out by email, you do it once a year, right? Yep. And so I would love, like, tell me, so what other modalities would you consider? How else would you like kind of do it in a way that would be more inclusive to different ways of processing information and kind of more touch points with it? Yeah, yeah. You know, we work with a lot of neurodiverse people at, at at my organization, and I know for a fact that you know the email is one is a great way, right? Like always email it out, give people a chance to review it ahead of time, but then make sure that you're setting up that time to have a discussion with it as a staff. Like, hey, here are the the touch points that are that are, that are changing. Here are the things you need to focus on, right? So in the emails and the whole manual, you know, indicate in the summary of that email, you know, where where the focus point should be, right? Here are the things that are changing. Here are the things that are being updated. Just a summary. You know, look at the whole manual. Like always make sure you're encouraging them to do that, right? You want them to look at the whole thing, but here are the important pieces. Discuss those important pieces in a staff meeting mm -hmm. um, as well. And then make sure your department leaders are empowered to check in with the individual staff members as well following that. Because then, you know, th those are the multiple touch points, right? We've gotten a chance to look at it on our own to read it. We've talked about it. And then you also have the individual follow-up. So like, Anybody can have sort of that space. Like if I need that self-reflection time, that like personal reading time, they have that. If they, they need that group think time, they have that. And then if they need a time to individually respond, have a back and forth, like, I don't want to ask this question out loud to everybody, then they also have that, right? So like, those are the, the different ways. You know, Graciano, you saw me look down <laughs> because as we're going to have two hours, I was like, oh, we need to, this is what we need to do. Yeah. This is what we need to do. And you're, you're right, the multiple touch points, it's something that we were doing for something else within my organization. We talked about that exact flow, like first yeah. communication point, then a group, then one-on-one, -on -one, but I would not have considered to do it like in this vein, right? No. Uh, so I appreciate that, um, that perspective, you know, as I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking of inclusion and I'm thinking of like disability, um, and I'm thinking of just how we, we as humans, um, navigate the world. Sometimes it's the same, and sometimes it's different. Mm -hmm. um, and how we need to, in my opinion, how it's yeah, I shouldn't say need to, but how it's easier to navigate. I think when we truly have kind of an openness of our mind of being willing to be wrong, being willing to not know it all. Right. Um, the other day, actually, 
I got, you know, something came in in my Miami leadership team. It was a question from the, from the general team. And I told my leadership team, I was like, I, I need help being curious about this because I was having a strong reaction. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I need you to help me be curious about this. Um, but like, like not having that tunnel vision of like, there's only one way. And as soon as I heard the other perspectives, yeah, you'd be like, oh, I, I never right. thought of that on my own. I'm thankful for mm -hmm. kind of having those perspectives. Um, and so I'm just really kind of sitting with that in, in our conversation. Yeah. I think, you know, diversity of perspective is something also that, you know, if you haven't tapped in uh, to the fact that there are people with different ways of thinking or different disabilities in your organization, you also don't see a different way to kind of navigate or find solutions. Uh, the reality is, is that people with disabilities have had to navigate an, uh, an ableist world <laughs> for a really long time. And so they have to go with their own solutions to problems, figure out ways to sort of uh, make uh, some of their non-apparent disabilities less apparent to other people who don't know about it. You know, they've figured out really all these different ways to, to do a lot of different things. Just like a lot of people who are uh, outside of the quote-unquote norm have had to do it, right? Every, every diversity identity can tell you about a different way they've had to navigate a different space to yeah. make sure that they are fitting in, right? And so what you're talking about here is, you know, using that that need to have to, to cover or code switch or however you want to label it um, to navigate that space means that they are really great thinkers and can help you navigate different problems in different ways. And so finding out who these people are, knowing how they're able to think differently and, and solve those problems are really great things that, that the company should know about, right? So you really want to know who in your organization has these different identities that they might be able to help you navigate different problems and different uh, and different ways to, to solve a problem. So yeah, I, I, I hear you and I hear that like what we need to be thinking about is how we can really just tap into the, the the capital that we have in our organizations already. Yes. And to your point that what might be considered a limitation by some people is actually like a truly refined skill set. Yeah. Because of what they've had to navigate, right? Um that that if <laughs> That you have choices. We can look at it as as a, a liability, or to your point, right, Graciano, you could look at it as like you've got some really smart people who are good problem solvers that are on your team, and you're not, you know, you're not kind of valuing them and bringing them into their fullest capacity. Yeah, which is a big, um, a big miss. Yep, a big miss. You know, you said, um, you know, how people have to navigate. You didn't say this the way I heard it. Mm -hmm. People navigate kind of spaces and systems that aren't designed for them. Right. Um, and you know, you've talked about, and I appreciate you talking about invisible invisible disabilities. Um, and so I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I was gonna say from an employee perspective, but from any perspective, Graciano, of whether it's advantageous or not for people to disclose their, their disability. I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of reasons people choose not to, right? Yeah. I assume because they're fearful of keeping their job, they're fearful of losing opportunities to advance, they're fearful of perhaps being shamed for mm -hmm. it. Um, but I'm curious if there are reasons, like what would, just what your kind of thoughts are and why people might, want to share it, how that could benefit them and just your thoughts. 
Yeah, I'm happy to share. I think from the employer perspective, it's always beneficial to, to share a disability diagnosis with your employer because it's going to be helpful for you to get the accommodations that you need. The reality is, is that there's no benefit for employees to share that information when they don't feel safe, right? Um, so we have to create a safe space for employees to want to do that, to want to share that information and feel like they're going to be supported. Uh, because the reality is that there's going to be a ton of discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, uh, it's up to each individual person. And I think, of course, people with physical disabilities that are really uh, easily seen and um, people know ahead of time what their disabilities are, they don't have a choice in the interview process to like disclose and they are, they are going to disclose. When you have a non-apparent disability, it's really up to each individual and, and what sort of accommodations and requirements they're going to need to navigate the workplace, whether or not they disclose ahead of time or after they've been offered the, the position. But the reality is, is that are, is the space safe enough to do that? Do you feel like there's going to be some sort of retaliation? Or are you going to lose your position as a result of it? And so it's really the onus is on the employers, right, to really just make that space safer um, than it is on the, the individual employee to disclose. It is 100% in their best interest to do so, but are you creating the space in which they feel comfortable doing that? That's the question. Mm -hmm. Why is it in their best interest? Well, it's in their best interest because they're going to get the support that they need, right? Um, it's really important to disclose so, so that they get the accommodations that they're that they need to help them succeed. And I think that, you know, uh, because they're so adept normally at like, you know, keeping it to themselves and navigating the space without disclosing, um, it's really easy to, to not disclose. But if you do disclose, then the whole organization is going to be in support of helping you figure out how to do your job in the best possible way, right? Mm -hmm. And then your, your, your reviews are different, right? Like when you're talking to your, uh, your, your boss about, um, how you're doing X, Y, and Z, how you're navigating something, it's very different coming from the perspective of understanding the accommodations that you have in place in the workplace mm -hmm. uh, versus being like, you know, you, you, keep, you seem to keep missing deadlines. Like deadlines don't matter to you. It's like, well, I have a disability that means that I can't really, you know, that, that deadlines don't make sense to me at certain times, right? Like whatever the, the case may be, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, having that conversation ahead of time is always much more beneficial than to be like on a performance improvement plan because of your disability. Right. So that to your point earlier, that you, the accommodations are to, to set you up for success. So you're Absolutely. not not punitive, right? Which is, I think, a big shift in it's not how we're taught to work. It's certainly not taught like in our in our educational system, right? It is very punitive. Let's yeah. take your point with the, the the staff manual. Like here it is. You only hear about it again when you when you make a mistake. <laughs> but like right. to be really proactive of like, this is what I need. Yeah. have the manager and an organization say okay this is how we're going to accommodate you which mm -hmm. makes it a win-win right so that the work is better it flows better yeah we can learn a lot from our sort of how our education system has has worked or has been revamped recently to like make sure that um we are not talking about separate education for people who have disabilities but here's what the teacher needs to know to help you learn better in the same classroom that's the same thing we want to do in the workplace, right? It's not like, here's this separate workplace I'm going to create just for you, <laughs> right? Here's how you're going to be able to do your work still with everybody else, right? Um, given these uh, these differences in how you, how you need to work. Which also, thank you for bringing that in because it has been a shift, a model shift, which mm -hmm. also means, you know, younger generations, newer generations are also going to school in inclusive learning environments. So when you get to the workplace, this is just like, this is how it is. It's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't feel like a shift because they've right. been experiencing it for the past 12 years educationally, right? Yeah. Which is a yeah. big difference. Yes. 
Absolutely. We're in a different um, mindset right now, which is really important. But I think that's the tough part, too, is that workplaces are not yet caught up. So it is still a difficult thing for people who are transitioning, especially directly from like high school into the workforce versus like, you know, if they want to skip that college step, which is still happening. Right. I feel like people think like in the 21st century, oh, everybody just goes to college. Not necessarily. It's still a choice <laughs> that can be made. Um, and so being able to have people understand that there are going to be differences in how some people operate and need uh, different accommodations in the workplace, it's still a conversation that we have to have with a lot of employers and uh, having them understand that, yes, I'm so fully capable of doing this job, just slightly differently. So I'd be curious how some of those, like, what are some of the questions, not questions, um, like when you're working with organizations, like, I'm just curious to hear kind of common themes that you see from the organization's perspective that you then are able to tend to? Yeah, so some of the, the, the really easy things are just how you are listing your job requirements, or if you're just like pulling in just like standard language that you've been using for many years, but some things just don't apply, mm -hmm. right? Um, for instance, that like you must be able to lift and move 50 pounds. <laughs> I have an office job, <laughs> right? <laughs> where I'm mostly a professional emailer, <laughs> why do I need to have this job requirement in here? And is it, you know, uh, just an ableist holdover, right? Right, right. Just pull this out because the reality is that some people are not applying because like I can't physically move 50 pounds, right? Yep. Um, but it actually has nothing to do with my ability to do this job. Um, so the simple things like that, simple corrective fixes to like be like, does your job description actually reflect the work that needs to be done? The requirements reflect what needs to be done in um, in that hiring space. Um, and then other other simple things are whether or not, you know, um, some of the things that an employee might need um, are not going to be like a, a, a designated assistant, but like what technology fixes can I have to make mm. sure that things are really easy for them uh, to do, right? So, you know, just thinking that through versus be, being like, oh, no, well, I can't hire this person because I actually have to hire two people. It's like, that's, right. not, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. And sometimes the accommodations that you design for what one person needs then also benefits the many, right? All the whole organization. Time, right? <laughs> like, oh, look, this workflow has completely changed and it's now so much more efficient. Right, right. You know, I think of your, your example earlier of somebody who might be struggling with deadlines and just how their brain processes information. There are, I'm sure a lot of people for various reasons, right? Who who might struggle with deadlines. And so all of a sudden if there's a solution and now other people are able to apply it too. Yeah. Like that's that's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. If we have a whole system that reminds you in multiple different ways or color codes things as it as it's getting it's like automatic. It's like, oh look, now I know that this deadline is coming. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Yes. You know, you really, I, I'm just as you're, you're, you're talking, I know we're, we're focusing on kind of disability inclusion and whenever I'm thinking like, it all it's inclusion. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's human inclusion. So whatever the experience or identity, but like, how do we see whole people? Right. How do we hear from them of what is working within the system and what's not? And I think instead of being um, reactive or defensive, which I think is human too, mm -hmm. um, but instead of kind of leading from that place, you would have your action, but like hold it, take a breath. <laughs> and then kind of respond from a different place. Um, it just, 
like it makes the work better, like the actual product delivery, service delivery better. But then also we spend so much time at work with these other humans. So it makes the work day better. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, again, coming back to this idea of inclusion, you know, we are talking a, about a, a about a situation that's affected every single minority group, right? Um, including people with disabilities, is this how they are able to fully represent themselves at work. It becomes incredibly taxing if you're not allowed to be yourself at work, right? So um, that inclusion practice, if you in expand it to how you're thinking about including people with disabilities, it's going to make a huge difference for every, difference for every single employee, mm -hmm. right? Every single employee is going to feel like they can show up as they are, do what they need to do, um, have a great day at work and then go home, right? You know, and not like run away, run home, but be like, I'm leaving like in a good place, right? Um, you know, everybody's mental health is going to be better in general, like that, because we don't, we always have those other people too, those allies who are forced to have their back up too, and they're trying to protect and advocate for those people who are not doing what they need to be doing. So it's, it's, it, it, it the inclusion practice works for everybody, as you were saying. It's, it's a, everybody, it's a human thing. It's how we show up. We just want to be able to show up as fully ourselves in our workplace and not feel like we have to like be a different person to survive the day. I, I That last point you just said resonated with me, that we don't have to be a different person to survive the day. Yeah. And the, the power, I think the power that people managers have and organizations to make it so that we don't have to just survive the day. You know, one of your your suggestions earlier was, you know, asking what accommodations people might need. Yeah. And so I'm just envisioning what if everybody, what if every manager asked everybody on their team, what would make your job easier? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Just like that very simple question. Yeah. Does it mean that they can respond and do everything that comes their way? Absolutely not. <laughs> but just imagine like what it would feel like for somebody to ask you yeah. what would make your job easier, to yeah. be told what they can do about it or what they can't, to be thanked for sharing the information, even if they're not able to address it, but something that they can keep in mind. I mean, it just yeah. makes that moment and day a little bit easier. Absolutely. And, you know, making sure you're asking it consistently, right? Um it is something that we ask our new hires. It is something that we ask on our review forms, right? Whether it be mm -hmm. 90 days, the six yep. months, the annual review. Yep. It's a constant question because again, we have to recognize that that answer might change, right? Yeah. So we can't just ask, like, oh, when when we hired Tanya two years ago, we asked, she didn't say anything. It's like, so it's, it's obviously Tanya's fault. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right she's so, nothing changed in two years and she didn't say anything then so that's all on her that's all on her <laughs> yeah so I think that's the reality too is that we can't just ask it once but make it a consistent practice you know formalize it in some way too um to make sure that it's part of the culture of your organization that you're asking the question of like what will make your job easier mm -hmm. And I appreciate the touch points you gave as examples, right? Like 30 day, 90 day, six month annual review to, to like make it consistent. It's part of the culture. It's part of what we do. It makes it top of mind for managers and leaders to remember to ask. And then it, like you said, like people's lives change, people's uh, disability identity changes. And so there's 
consistent touch points for them to have the opportunity to share that information if they may not initiate it on their own. Right, absolutely. I'm really just sitting with all of this and grateful for for how you shared kind of your expertise in a way that feels very um, doable, right? <laughs> I think yeah. that is um, sometimes when people hear inclusion, they're like, oh, it's too much. I can't do this. And that's not at all. Like this is all very manageable, right? Absolutely. Very doable. Yeah. And you, you know, again, seek out a thought partner too, right? Don't try to always handle it on your own. Figure out where you would like to start. And then also talk it through with a, talk, a thought partner, you know, you know, we can, uh, we're available to do that work here at Respectability, but there are, you know, other organizations that are engaged in disability inclusion as well. Mm-hmm. But the reality is not thinking that I have to take it on without any of the knowledge, right? Um, you can find thought partners, you can seek it out and do it, always do it in partnership, right? Because the reality is, again, it's for everyone. It's not just for uh, that particular identity you're trying to, uh, you know, um, lift up in that moment, it is going to help everybody at the end of the day. We will definitely make sure that your organization is linked in our show notes so that if people do want to learn more and to your point, be get a thought partner, um, that they'll be able to have access access to you and your organization. So I, re- I appreciate you saying that. Um, I have, I think I have one more question um, before, before really um, thanking you. Um, but I'm curious, what is something that you wish you knew about leadership earlier in your career? Yeah, I think that one of the things that I really appreciate knowing now um, is that leadership is not about the people who are in front doing the work, but the people who are willing uh, to step up and ask the tough questions. So leadership can come from anywhere um, and from anyone. Um, And it is, a moment by moment thing as well. It's not just the people who have the the title, who are the senior leaders in the organization, who are the people who have been designated as to be the managers, but the folks who are willing to be like, you know, well, I have a a question about how we do this and I wanna be the person that helps you figure it out if we don't have an answer, right? That's also leadership. Definitely. I love that example. Um, Raising the question, wanting to solve the problem and not, title focused. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, you know, I was very excited for this conversation. I knew that, um, I knew I would learn a lot. Um, and I learned a lot. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated the conversation. It felt, you know, really great to just be able to, um, you know, offer some resources to folks, have people think about what's next in their inclusion journey. Um, And remember that, you know, disability is part of those identities that we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about inclusion. Mm. Graciano, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your expertise. Um, I'm appreciating this connection. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Managing Well. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about today's episode, go to thelodipogroup.com slash podcast for a worksheet on today's episode. A special thanks to my podcast team and the Ladipo Group who supports this show. Managing Well is produced and edited by Black Faves Brand Studio. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss, email me at managingwellpodcast at theladipogroup.com.